That was like an opening in my consciousness rather than what everyone else wants you to do, what you think will get you more views, what, you know, go off the intuition, go off God. You have to actively ask yourself, what do I want? As a self-respecting person that validates myself, what do I want to do? The first step was healing the negative thinking patterns, the anxiety, getting to a level of control. From there, you know, I built my YouTube channel and the next three and a half years, I had a ton of personal success. Even though you always, you've done the internal work and you think this is your path, you're constantly evaluating the road that you're taking to make sure that you're on the right road. Crypto, Shopify, SMMA, influencer, those ideas are the worst ideas, in my opinion. We all know what we should be doing. We all know the things that are good for us that we simply aren't doing. The stuff that we see and interact with and feel in touch and our senses interact with is like 0.00001% of what really exists. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremoval.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremoval.com. Welcome back to the Frank Lee Podcast. Today, guys, I'm bringing you another extraordinary guest all the way from Malibu. And I'm telling you now, this lad has set up Tribe. He's set up Maxi. He's founded both. And he's also been a key advisor in the rise of Hubi. Mr. Alan Moore, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Frankie. I'm very excited. It's funny when you say um, when you say Malibu alone, I, like I, I don't ever, I don't think about it sounding from like a UK accent. It sounds so foreign and like mystical. But uh, mate, I, I mean, I, I'm, I've, do you know what? I'm, I'm guilty. I've been to a lot of places in the world. I've not been to America yet. And I can't, I can't believe I've, I can't believe I've got to 34 and not been to America yet. I've been everywhere else. You got to get over here, bro. So this, this year, this year, we definitely have to do an in-person podcast in, in the US. So I've put it down on my, in in my mind that we've got to do it. But obviously you've had an interesting journey. Obviously you've blown up on YouTube. You've, you've, you've been creating content a long time, but where I want, where I want to start with this is obviously I was reading a little bit of your backstory and I was understanding about your childhood growing up that obviously your dad was 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 medicated on on, you know to deal with his temper and obviously having a high temper and I just wanted to understand obviously what what were the key drivers in in your youth growing up as to as to to get you to where you are now so to speak yeah yeah so my dad uh had uh was diagnosed with bipolar disorder bipolar depression um and was on lithium for I don't know 20 years or so um and it's not something that I've actually I've spoken to him about you know before I was born even but I I do know he had a lot of like struggles with depression for for a long time even before I was born um and how that affected me growing up I mean there was there were a lot of having having you know a dad that's kind of either really happy or like really down, really angry. Uh, there was definitely a lot of disorder and, um, arguments and fights about money or or fights about just 
anything that you know the 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 mind of an unconscious person can can conjure up and and it was very very uh transformative and definitely shaped a lot of my childhood in in a very good way i look back on it as like one of the best things that ever happened to me um but yeah it was it was uh i I think looking back at the earlier the younger i was the more like kind of crazier things actually happened and there were some points where he had to get taken away uh and you know put in hospital when i was like i think four or five he had like a a manic episode and um and yeah, I, I don't have a lot of memories of that. My mom tried to shield me from it, um, but things did get better over the years. And and uh, something we could even go into, like as I got into high school, um, you know, I I started to develop similar symptoms, uh, my, which really scared my mom because you know she so, she so was always. Do you think that you kind of picked that up as a child because obviously it was your programming? Yeah. I think I did. I think I did. And and that was my mom's biggest fear was, you know, my dad had this instability. And as a kid, you know, I was a very bright, happy kid. But around like 13, 14, really 15, I started to exhibit like similar symptoms, like the, the moods and the negative thinking patterns and getting super down. And I think that really scared her. And, um, how, yeah. how did you kind of go obviously you've noticed now looking back that you, you exist and it's always easier to connect the dots going backwards but you've ignored you noticed that you were exhibiting a fair few of the patterns that perhaps your dad had and was starting to act on these patterns in your daily life and starting to to manifest in your reality so to speak the things that were probably happening in your dad's reality so you were essentially living the life as if as if it was your dad's life how did you go about becoming conscious enough to be able to break that pattern yeah well it's interesting it's it's because uh, we i mean we could call it a specific disorder like bipolar depression or anxiety or you know um any number of like specific medical diagnoses but it's all the same thing it's all just unconsciousness right uh or, or a lack of a certain level of like enlightenment. And my dad and I exhibited the same qualities. At the time, I didn't realize, I didn't see any connection to it. It was only like, honestly, in the last like year or two that I really realized, oh, wow, that that definitely was like, that my dad's unconsciousness was a direct reflection of my unconsciousness. Um, and how did I get out of it? Basically, um, it, it's it's interesting because, like, as I said, it was one of the best things that happened to me, like having my dad go through the, these kind of episodes because it turned me into a fixer, right? Like, as a kid, when your parents are arguing and they're fighting about money or, or, or anything and you're an only child, you, you get in the middle of it and you don't want them to divorce and, you, you know, you want to save your parents' love. And that's what I've tried to do so many times you know my parents I remember like I'd be in bed at like 9 p.m like 10 11 12 years old I'd hear like shit getting thrown across the uh across the room like as a little kid and I would like come downstairs and try to stop my mom and dad from arguing and 
Um, and, and yeah, and so like that gets baked into you as a, as a person, like trying to save, save people's love, right. For each other, save your parents' love. And because I became so obsessed with that, when I started to have problems, I became obsessed with like fixing myself. So it took me a long time, but I eventually discovered Eckhart Tolle, meditation, mental reprogramming, uh, you know, the, the idea the, the that power you- power of now. The, the power of now. The idea that you, because my dad had always kind of told me, you know, I have depression or I have this disorder. I have to take medication. That's just how it is. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. If, if you're depressed, you're depressed forever. There's also, there, so there was that. And then there's the programming of the, the media. My parents would throw on the 630 news every night as we were getting ready for, for dinner. And what does the news tell you? You know, the depression stats are rising. Every commercial in between every news segment is a, is a commercial for some antidepressant. And it's like, if you have thoughts of suicide, then you should take this, da, 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 you know? And, um, and yeah, the, it's just programming, isn't it? It's that constant yeah. program that you you were subjected to as a child. You're pretty much describing the life of 90% of the world. And what the key thing you said there was, you can call it bipolar, you can call it ADHD, you can call all these different things under, under all these different umbrellas. But the key word that you said there was it's unconsciousness. Like you, you people are not conscious to the to the fact of what true enlightenment is, and that's why the power of now and books like that that you mentioned by Eckhart Tolle are so, are so powerful, and everybody should read them because I'm actually listening to that at the moment. It's, it's the third or fourth time I've listened to it, but every time I listen to it, I get something new out of it. Like this, a, a whole different approach, a whole oh, I didn't understand that bit last time, but now I've now I resonate with that. Is that is, is that is that a book you keep going back to? I keep going back to Eckhart Tolle. Uh, I love his YouTube videos, um, but I, yeah, I will say you know as I became more and more obsessed with fixing my own unconsciousness and raising up to a level where I can have some space and distance around my thoughts and be able to control them. I was listening to The Power of Now every day. Like this is when I was around 18, 19, I probably listened to the audio book for the power of now. Like it was just my morning routine. It was just listen to the power of now as I walked to class as I was in college. And that definitely was a major, that book was a major part of my transformation that I then passed on to my dad and got him doing some of the same practices, reading power of now, meditating in the morning, journaling, you know, gratitude, that kind of stuff. And, um, what's funny about it is like within like, and I don't want to say this is a remedy for everyone with depression because everyone has different levels, but within like three weeks, he was noticeably better. And within three to six months, he was completely off the medication. (laughs) And it was just like, that that just shows you the power of power of your um, mind, both consciously and subconsciously. When you, when you indoctrinate and program it with positive affirmations thoughts audio books podcasts when you when you when you start to throw that stuff in at a consistent basis you start to change your external reality once you once you work on your internal reality 
So what point then did you, what, what, do you remember this specific point it was? I mean, I know these things happen at 1% daily, but do you remember a specific point where you were sat there and thought, do you know what? I'm not happy with how my life looks right now. There's, there's something that needs to change. There's something that needs to move. So the way that it happened for me, it, it was, it was the, the thing that bothered me the most was there were really two things. It was the repetitive negative thinking patterns which the the negative thoughts that I was having were just like, it was almost like the more negative the thought, the more scared I was that I had something fundamentally wrong with me, um, chemically wrong in my brain or something like that. And the more, the, the, the more I had those thoughts, the more anxiety attacks would come about. You know, I would, I would like get this jolt of energy in the middle of the night. My heart would be beating out of my chest or it would feel like it was going to stop beating um and so so it was like anxiety attacks negative thinking like the negative thinking the extent of it was like i'd be driving to school every day and the thought would be like why don't you just pull over to a tree and then i would think about that thought and be like does this mean i'm depressed i'd overanalyze it and then i guess honestly probably the worst part was like not wanting to tell anybody because I didn't want, I didn't want to be medicated. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to believe that there could have been something wrong with me. Uh, and, and so how I came out of it was really around like, uh, when I was 18, um, I, um, I remember there was like four days in a row where it was particularly bad. It was like the most crushing negative thoughts and depression and anxiety that I felt in, in a condensed period of time. And then one day I just, I remember sitting at my, um, at my dining table at at my parents' house. And I kind of just asked myself, like, like all these negative thoughts, like, what if I could just stop thinking? And I kind of asked myself that question. What, what if I just stopped thinking? And I sat there and for like the first time, I feel like in my life, I just wasn't thinking. And I was like, oh my God, like those, that was, was kind of scary. And I had like a, you know, Eckhart Tolle talks about the gap between thoughts. I hadn't read Eckhart Tolle yet, but that was the realization I had. I was like, wow, okay, there's something there. Shortly after that, and I guess you could look at it as, you know, a, a, an opening. That was like an opening in my, my consciousness. Whereas before it was super yeah. dense with negative thoughts. Now it was like, oh, there's an opening. For, for for presence to come in you created what they term as space yes and shortly after that a lot of I, I started to discover a lot of things that ended up really helping me transform there were a few um ted talks one of them was actually uh the og ty lopez his or- original ted talk that like went super viral and he's talking about how reading books can like make you smarter which today modern times like most people are like yeah obviously but personal development was not as mainstream in 2015 you know like it like there's it was there's definitely like a group of people who are into personal development of course but now it's all over tiktok you know tate really like blew it up um of course iman right and and guys like yourself who have you know podcasts and audiences that understand that there is a world where people are really working on themselves. But in 2015, I'm sure you remember it's, it wasn't as, wasn't nearly as like 
yeah mainstream as it is now i suppose i suppose in 2015 you had the you had like the the pivotal ones like the tony robbins yes. like the ty lopez's and like those those early days internet the marketing internet marketing world were, were kind of were kind of putting that content out there but obviously now we've got um more there's so much noise in in the marketplace it's almost gone polar opposite there's so much noise it's like now you now you're kind of thinking well who do you who do you go to where do you go where what information do you take because someone will say this and then someone will say polar opposite just just for the the views and the engagement and everything else just to be out there um but obviously like you can't look past people like Eckhart Tolle because that that book and and the impact it's already had on me listening to it three times and you've listened to it probably 16 different times you know through your life is the impact of, of that book alone it just it just makes you just pause for a moment and kind of understand that there's more to you than just being on the go all the time and and trying to think your way out of stuff you know sometimes you sometimes it's not about thinking about more stuff it's it's about actually it's actually about going inward and looking looking within and seeing what seeing what space you can create so you can actually go and create something that you actually physically want in the exterior world does that make sense yeah absolutely absolutely i I think you took on so many patterns of your your dad on a subconscious level that you probably didn't even realize would, would that would that be a fair statement yeah i definitely didn't realize and it was it was a combination of my mom and my dad because you know i don't i don't want to uh uh i i mean my mom was obviously like the more protector trying to kind of create stability um but she and i i'm not saying you know my mom was the problem but uh it was both my parents together because I was trying to fix the relationship. Right. And, and, uh, and yes, the initial patterns that I was exhibiting were probably more related to my dad's. Um, but then that also led down the line, you know, several years down the line, I got into a relationship that was very much like the relationship that I saw when I was a kid. You know, I, I had, wow. Like- so, 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 so now you started to live, in your in your reality after you've after you've kind of raised your consciousness and worked through one pattern and kind of so so you you basically use the power of now and books like that to to get out your head so you could create space so you create a different reality so you attract this girl into your life and now all of a sudden you you you, you're hit with the next shadow that you've got to answer and that next shadow is you're now living the relationship you're the same the similar similar type is what you've grown up with yeah yeah and it wasn't it wasn't the same but it was there was lots of turmoil for sure. Yeah. So what did, what kind of, how do you think that was created and, and how did you get, th- identify it? The relationship? Yeah. How, how do you, yeah, obviously, yeah. obviously I know obviously how you created the relationship, but how did you identify that this is going in a similar pattern to what I've already seen before? Um. Yeah. So, there was some space, right? And as you mentioned, like the first step was, uh, you know, healing the negative thinking patterns, the anxiety, getting to a level of control. From there, you know, I built my YouTube channel and the next three and a half years, I had a ton of personal success um, and, and you know, grew hundreds of thousands of followers uh, across um, my Instagram and YouTube and then yeah about four years later was kind of definitely the next challenge where i got into an a relationship with a girl 
that um that yeah became like toxic and part of the reason it became toxic was you know she was very beautiful she was somewhat you know publicly like famous on social media uh and I also met her when I was in Australia. So I was 10,000 miles away from home. And uh, I also went there. It was like a study abroad program. And I went there not knowing anybody. So I had to kind of build my social circle from scratch in a new in a new uh, continent um, and in a somewhat of a new culture. Um, and I fall in love with this girl who also was open to being on my YouTube videos. I was getting blasted with valid like positive validation right my followers are like oh my god arnold's got a girlfriend now this is so cool views are going through the roof because like couples channels go crazy um and my so you're you getting know, that feedback loop of, of keep this going even though even though i don't particularly think it's completely right i'm going to ignore what i think is wrong because it because it keeps this validation loop going exactly so you know i, I had my followers commenting on all these videos views going up my boys back home are like bro this girl's hot, like good for you, man. Like, and I just ignored every red flag of the relationship, which by the way, um, you can't, you can't attract someone with red flags unless you yourself have equal red flags. Like that's how the universe works. You know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. If you attract a narcissist and you think that there's, they have all these red flags, you're a people pleaser, but you also have all these red flags. And so that's yes. exactly what happened. I, I was very focused on the validation of how everything looked. And I ignored this person's values, character, nature, and uh, countless other things that we were not aligned on. And it just led down, um, uh, again, you know, a relationship that was very tumultuous where we're arguing all the time. And it, at a certain point, I was like, you know, uh, this is similar to what I grew up with. And, um, and yeah, it was a a very tough time for sure. It's when you get locked into that, um, it's nearly impossible to get out unless you have someone that really cares about it, about you that can help you get out. And that fortunately I had that, but some guys, man, like some guys commit suicide in relationships like that. Like some, some men, like the stats on this are. You know, guys who get broken up with or cheated on or, or who are in a an abusive relationship with a girl who's more narcissistic controlling um, can and often do commit suicide. So it's a very dark place to be. And and also for someone that like yourself, you are having so much success in the public domain on the external front, obviously with the YouTube channel and everything that was blown up for you, all the content you're creating. And when you're, when you're in that space, you can kind of, not know when you when you start creating content online you can kind of not know who your friends are kind of things in a lot of areas of your life and things start moving around and people start uh, uh, trying to pull you down in any ways possible is 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 that something that you you went through as well like from, from that perspective so you kind of felt like you was on your own and then this 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 relationship manifested in that space because there wasn't anything else you could put there i never really felt like my friends were people I couldn't trust. I I always did really well with 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 my friends and with the people that I surrounded myself with. Um, 
this relationship helped me to strengthen my friendships even further and and truly choose people that were aligned with the same values and that and that really really supported me um you know as an example like my friends in college when i was building my channel like they were they were definitely supportive when i first started because it wasn't very big but as it grew they became less and less supportive they were they were not on the same frequency they were like okay arlen's got his youtube thing and you know that's great and all like but we got corporate jobs we got to get to and um i i did have some friends that were kind of in the same mindset but they also weren't quite as supportive it wasn't until this relationship destroying me that i really rebuilt everything and this actually bridges into hubi i met the founders of hubi and became an advisor um and those guys like hubi the company Hubie and, and working with Jordan, the founders, Jordan and Casson, I met them shortly after this relationship and I was able to see to the core, these guys, th- these are real friends. Like these guys actually care about me. And uh, it's, a, it's a simple, there's a simple test that you can, you can, um, you can really know who your real friends are. And, uh, and by real friends, I mean like, friends that would do anything for you, friends that truly want you to win. And it was, it was when, uh, I was posting the, you know, I, I ended this relationship, came out, I meet these guys, Jordan and Casson, who are building this company called Hubie. And I, I start posting videos again. And for the first time in my life, I had these guys, Jordan and Casson, I noticed that they would go on their Instagram. They would I post a new video, they would screenshot it, put it on their Instagram story and put the link to it for their followers. They'd be like, yo, go check out our friend Arlen's new video. And that I never had that. Like to have someone who actually wants you to win, that they will support the thing that you're, you are, you, there's nothing more in the world you care about. And they, they don't get anything out of promoting it other than just being your friend. Right. So, yeah. So yeah, the, the relationship, um, but to answer your question in summary, I didn't really struggle with having like real people around me bef- like uh, with the social media stuff, but the relationship essentially destroying my ego, um, and we can get into what happened if you're, if you're interested, but destroying my ego completely helped me really reframe like what does a true supportive friend look like? And now like my, my reality is 10 times better than it was uh, before. I think it's interesting that you said about destroying your ego because I've had a few parts in my life where I've had to lose parts of myself where the ego gets pulled down and you have to you have to lose it has to break away and get dismantled so that you can see certain things and 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 address certain other shadows that you haven't perhaps seen yet is 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 that kind of how it went for you as well you kind of the 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 ego getting disbanded allowed you that space so you could see all these other little fragments as well that you kind of needed to work on to kind of create more revenue online to 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 create more friendships more see 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 the real reality of life kind of thing yeah so i mean basically what happened was this girl um we had this public relationship you know i'm showing it publicly and i can obviously edit our videos edit out all the parts where we're fighting and arguing and you know bad stuff's happening and just show the good parts and so there was that public thing and then 
she ended up, long story short, cheating on me with a very famous celebrity that was then put in like the Hollywood fix, paparazzi, Getty images. Um, and she ended up even posting a photo with this guy kind of out of the blue and deleting all of our pictures that we'd ever posted together on her page. My followers obviously knew who she was. They saw what happened. It was just all of that validation that I was getting right in the beginning that we were talking about of like, oh, Arlen's got this hot girlfriend. Like, you know, look at look at him. You know, that was just destroyed. Right. And that again, my, that was my ego that was destroyed. And obviously you'd attached a part of yourself to dating this 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 model. Yeah. Like that, that that's now become a part of you. Yeah. 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 So just destroyed. Um and and that really showed me like, okay, next person I pick as a partner needs to have a bit better values. <laughs> you know? I have to look beyond the skin. And and, and so not only part, in a romantic relationship, what, but in friends. What part of did how have you established your 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 value hierarchy and is it something you've listed down now so that you know what values and and because i think a lot of people say to me about ask me questions about a lot of stuff and if if i think a lot if a lot of people had their values listed out on what they actually truly want in all areas of their life whether it's been money relationships business i think a lot of people, would, it would stop them doing certain deals. It would stop them dating certain people. It would stop certain things being attracted into their life. So how did you kind of establish getting your values out? I think it's it's different for friends uh, versus like romantic relationship. But as far as friends go, like male friendships, I look at, you know, does does this friend that I have that's a guy like actively help me actively try to help me win in some way, you know, going out of their way to make a connection. Um, like for example, yesterday I had a meeting with this guy who specializes in like data analysis. Cause that's some, an area of my business that I'm working on. And he helped me for like an hour and a half and I just met him. But the reason he was open to doing that was because my other friend who's like best friends with the data analyst was like, you know, Arlen is one of my best friends. Please help him with his business, right? So he like, and he gets nothing out of this, you know? Like he, other than just being a good friend and providing value. So for my male friendships, I look at like, who are the guys in my life that seriously go out of their way to provide me value? And obviously I do the same in return. For my, I mean, my current relationship, my girlfriend, I think it, uh, it's, it is similar. Like, is she going out of her way to provide value? But it's also respect and loyalty and i think you know where where that comes from <laughs> but um but yeah re- like if if you have a girl that's hot that doesn't respect you and isn't loyal to you there's it's nothing pointless. worse <laughs> you know so uh I, yeah i think there's a i think i think there's a lot of relationships in in, in both ways in life you know um women dating men that 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 don't have the enough respect for them and there's it all comes down to if if you find someone in your life that doesn't have respect for you it's because you're not showing enough respect to yourself absolutely i think it it all it, it everything's a mirror like the world will mirror to you what you set yourself as so if you set yourself as I don't respect myself and I let people treat me this way and this that, and the other and that's what you're setting up as that's what you're you're going to get that all day long and twice on a Sunday 
So how did you raise your consciousness enough then from that point to be able to see these patterns and, and see all this stuff that was happening in, in your external reality and kind of move through it? Like what, what tools did you kind of put in place to make sure that happened? Um, during which time period, like coming out of the relationship or? Yeah, so you've just been through this relationship and you, and you know that this is not, this is not what I want. These are my, these are my, these are my values. But obviously it's not just a case of going and listening to an audio book. Mm-hmm. There must have been, there must have been something that you've done in there, mm-hmm. some practices you've set up essentially so that you can um, systemize and grow through this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's a great question. So and I would target this for someone listening who feels like they struggle with really what is it what it is is like it's a people pleasing paradigm where people pleasers are very concerned with their image and what every everything looks like um and they're very concerned with how others view them and they're very uh quick to do things to make people like them which sounds like a good thing right but when you're just trying to make someone like you in order to look good to the outside world uh that's different than fundamentally as you were saying as we were saying is liking yourself having enough respect for yourself and out of that abundance of respect from yourself like a people pleaser is empty they have no personal abundance unless someone gives them validation. They they literally think there is something that as a people pleaser, you have to re- realize and look yourself in the mirror and go, I don't think I'm enough as I am. That's why I keep trying to please people to make them like me so that I can feel good, so I can fill up my cup. Why was I obsessed with getting views with this girlfriend, this like, you know, model girl? Because I didn't think I was good enough on my own. So, yes. So the, as, a, as a people pleaser, you have to first look yourself in the mirror and work on that self-respect. And it's a lot of, um, it's, it's a lot of like recognizing your worth and recognizing your value. And this is honestly, this is something I still work, have to actively work on today. Like, I am an amazing person. Here's why. Listing out. So I, I did, I've, and I still do a lot of like just personal uh reminders of all of the accomplishments I've I've made of all the people I've positively affected um people pleasers make great educators and great course creators right because they're super empathetic to what other people need and they over deliver like you know when people join my my programs they get you can imagine as a people pleaser like I want people to be really fucking satisfied with the product you know so I I'd pack everything in it but I have to constantly remind myself that already as I am, I am, it sounds corny, but like enough. I am enough. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's the first part is, is recognizing I am enough. It, whether, whether that takes journaling every morning, like 10 reasons, 10 accomplishments I've made, 10 reasons I'm amazing, 10 reasons people should be, uh, excited to talk to me, you know, even if they don't know anything about me. The next thing, the next step to that is pra- the, the practice of, and this sounds, it might sound 
again, very basic, but this is all like first principles, how to be as a human. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's how to listen to your own, your own emotions and your own desires. So for example, you're, you're, a, let's say you're a people pleaser and you're out with a group of friends at dinner and your friends want to go out to a club. Your immediate gut reaction is, oh, I don't want to go to a club. I'd rather go home and go to bed. But as a people pleaser, how does a people pleaser think? They go, well, I want my friends to like me. They want me to come to the club. They all want to go party and drink and, and go to the club. So therefore, if I want to still be relevant in this friend group, if I want them to still like me, I need to go with them. The reverse of it and how you fix it as a people pleaser, and it takes, there's like some meditations that I was doing at the time. But what I, what I would do is I would focus on myself and I would say, okay, they want me to go. What do you have to actively ask yourself? What do I want as a self-respecting person that validates myself? What do I want to do? I want to go home and go to bed. I'm going to go home and go to bed. <laughs> it sounds so basic, but if you can imagine like as basic as it is, if you get that basic thing wrong over and over and over again, it just leads you to this completely screwed up reality where you're putting everyone else's desires above your own. Well, what happens is if you don't do what you actually truly want to do and you continue to go on this path, like you say, of just pleasing other people, you lose confidence and lose self-belief in yourself that of, of your own decisions. And then what starts happening then is you'll find yourself in life going, you'll find a decision in life and something will come up. And it'll be, whether it be like a, a decision for you to start a new business or you to have a relationship with a girl or whatever it will be. And you'll start asking for other people's opinions on, on whether you should do that and whether that should, that's how you should do it. And that a lot of times in life, you don't truly need to ask anyone's opinion on what you should do or how you should move. Or there's a lot of people that ask me questions in the DMs and I'm sure there is you that ask you questions where I'm like, you don't need to ask me that. Like if you sat there with yourself for 10 minutes in silence and listen to your gut, you've got the answer within you. You don't need anyone else's. And by you asking me that and continue to ask other people externally these questions, you kind of, you, you stop your own self-growth. You stop your own self-worth and it, it, you don't allow it to build. That's kind of what I've found through my personal journey that that's kind of happened in a lot of other people's lives. You know, they're, they're stopping their own, they're stopping their own growth. It, so how do you think that people can break the pattern of doing that? Yeah, so I think the most helpful thing is to know that it's a spectrum. And on one end, you have a people pleaser. And the people pleaser, as we were just explaining, bases all their decisions on what others think and what would make other people like them and what would make others feel good. And they ignore themselves. And they have no respect for themselves. The other end of the spectrum is the narcissist. The narcissist is the complete opposite. They don't give a fuck about how you feel, how how this person feels. If I cheat on this person, I don't they're so they're narcissistic, sociopathic and they they don't they have no connection to how other people feel at all. <laughs> all they care about is what they want. And there's actually pros to that, right? As we're saying like 
this, the, this, the people pleaser needs to be more like the narcissist and the narcissist needs to be more like the people pleaser. So how do you actionably do that? There's a very simple meditation. And this meditation, if practiced daily, um, puts you in balance in, in between those two spectrums. Because the truth is, as, as we're saying, as you were explaining, like, yes, sometimes you need to listen to your gut, but you also should sometimes listen to feedback from other people, right? There's a, there's a balance. There's a balance, yeah. And, and the meditation is you sit there. I like to light an incense stick, and the incense stick takes about 30, 45 minutes to go from uh, all the way you know, down to the end. And I will, and I breathe in. So you inhale, you focus on yourself. How do you feel? What are your desires? What do you need? Uh, you know, self-respect. And then on the exhale, you relax and you focus on like the more connection to, to others around you. You think about others. On the inhale, you breathe in, you focus on your body, you focus on how you feel, you focus on the point, the single point of focus of the incense stick. On the exhale, you notice your peripheral surroundings. You think, you know, how does this person feel? How do my neighbors feel? And you just keep going back and forth. And that that pattern of going, what do I need? What do they need? What do I need? What do they need? That just that becomes um, just how you how you treat everything. The flow of life. Flow of life, exactly. And then you can just you can. It's like a muscle, you know. It's like imagine if you only did, you know. Uh, pull-ups your entire life and then someone handed you some dumbbells to do shoulder press like wait I'm used to pulling down I didn't know that I could even push up right so it's it's um it's exercising both of those and and getting familiar with that yeah and I I I think that if you do as you say and you you get you get present with it and understand that obviously something you've done well in your life is is build is build your network right and it's like when you come to building a network the same way that i've built my network just like you we've 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 had to give in order to get and it's no different with what you're saying about this meditation and when you and when you do that you have to practice giving before you can get so with that meditation of you as you just said it's like you're you're answering both parts so it puts you centered yes Yes, you. Sorry, you, you cut out for a second. But you said you answer both parts, so you're centered. Yeah, and right, and and, and then you and then you and then you're centered and yes. stuff like that. I want to go into obviously how you set your goals because I was watching a video, and it's amazing. You had your kitchen all set up, and you had all white cupboards along the wall, and you basically broke it down into your three monthly, six monthly, yearly goals. And I think it might have even included weekly goals. And I just wanted to understand there was a certain framework and a way that you did it that interested me. And I want you to break down that framework and how you set and achieve goals because I think that's something that the audience would really get something actionable out of. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've definitely been inspired by and taken uh, taken notes from you know some of the greats of like the goal setting space. Tony Robbins, um, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. And I've been very obsessed with with goal setting because, you know, going back to like the time in my life where I couldn't control my thoughts, that led me to learn about 
if you focus on goals as your thoughts, then those thoughts become things, right? So I've experimented with lots of different ways to program my mind and to organize these thoughts in my brain to achieve what I think is the most effective way to to think about these things, to think about your goals. And so uh, I think like a standard in, in goal setting practices is to like, is to begin with the end in mind, right? The, the beginner mistake is to think, okay, what am I going to achieve this year? And then once I achieve that, I'll think about the next year or something. But I always try to think, all right, if I have a hundred years or so, what do I, what do I want to look back and say that I did with my entire life? Uh, and you look at the, all the most high achieving men in the world. You look at Jeff Bezos, like he didn't have a one year vision for Amazon. He had a hundred year vision or more. He was thinking at least 25 years into the future when he was building the infrastructure for Amazon. You look at Elon Musk, Elon Musk does not have a one year plan for SpaceX. Like he wants to maybe colonize Mars in the next, I don't know how many years, let's, let's just call it 20, 30 years. So I try to do the same thing and I think everyone should aspire to do the same thing. You know, you're, you're only the size of the goals you set. And if you set goals in terms of hundreds of years, even if they're somewhat vague, um, you're going to put yourself on a grander mission and a grander trajectory. So, so I always try to think, all right, I'm 150. I look back. What have I done? That's like step one. And then you just break it back. Okay. I'm 75. What have I done? Okay. Um, 45, what have I done? And you just you keep breaking it back to your 10 five-year goals, one-year goals, and now three-month, one-month. So what you're referring to is, is yeah, I had a studio apartment. This That was the apartment that I moved into after that breakup uh, with, that, with the girl. And I was in a super monk mode phase because I had to rebuild everything. You know, I, I'd stopped making money for like eight months because I was just super down uh, in that relationship. So I wrote out basically my mission on one of the cabinets, my life mission. And then next to that one, I wrote out my one year goal, what I want to accomplish in a year. And then next to that, I had like a three month sprint, like 90 day sprint on that cabinet. And the next cabinet was uh, a one month, 30 days, one week, and then the next day. And I just really liked to see, I like to see them out laid out like that because it puts everything you're doing day to day in context and consistently reminds you of what you're actually doing. You know, like if, if people, if, if I just woke up today and I was like, all right, I'm doing a podcast, but I don't know what I'm doing next month. You know, it's, it's a little less motivating than thinking, ah, this is this podcast that I'm doing with Frankie is contributing to this hundred year mission, you know? It yeah, is yeah, it's yeah. so cool. To, it, it's just, it's motivating to think about it like that. Gives you perspective. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm not claiming that I know exactly what I'm going to do across the next hundred years, but I think having a loose definition at least is, is worth, most people fail to realize that they can author their reality. Most, most people, there's a pen, like the, there's like God and he, he sits you down and he's like, every, every day you have this opportunity with God to sit down and pick up a pen and write what you want to do with your life. And 90% of people just don't even pick up the pen. They just go, what's up, God? All right, I'm going to go to work. <laughs> and that's it, you know? And then, and they just let, they let the news program them. They let social media, TikTok, reels, 
program them, and they don't even know where their ideas and their goals came from. You know, they might have been walking down the street. Let's say, you know, someone commutes to work. They walk down, let's say they live in New York City, they, or they live in London, and they're commuting down the street every day to work, and there's some signs about, like, uh, some new Netflix show. And they don't even realize it, but they're seeing signs for this new Netflix show. And then like a couple weeks later, they're like, they're, I don't know, they're, they're talking to their friends about their goals and like, oh, you know, I think I want to like do something with like something like Netflix or something. Like they don't even know, they're so influenced by their environment. They don't know where the ideas that they even have come from. So what I do, what I try to do um, and what I recommend is first go away from um, from object referral, from, from referring to your outside to set these goals in the first place and develop a connection to presence, to the higher power, to God, and do your best to let the goals come to you for that grander 100-year mission. Let those goals come to you from your gut, from within. And when you have... So there's object referral. That's... that's uh, doing goals based off what your environment is doing, what your friends are doing, what your peers are doing, what what uh, the other social media people are doing versus doing self-referral and setting goals based off your own gut intuition and what you almost get uh, like a, a divine inspiration of, of what you need to do. And when you- So in order to get more creative then, Arlen, what you're saying is you've essentially got a strip back all these dopamine hits that you're getting from your external environment whether that be in from things i.e i.e like you know buying stuff and and stuff that you think you want because you've seen someone else have it and cutting down say say you follow 500 people and you've got 500 people influencing every week on instagram twitter and everywhere else showing you their lives and showing you what they want you're saying that subconsciously you're picking that up and you're 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 running with it as if it's what you want but really that's not what your gut's telling you yeah i think a a way to hopefully give people an aha moment is like what's a more powerful source of what is a more powerful source of power is it the netflix movie you just watched is it the TikTok you just watched, the thing that's already created by a human? Or is it this is it the the invisible creative source energy that created literally everything that's ever existed? <laughs> that's a that that again is invisible and that you can only communicate with if you get super, super quiet with yourself. It's powerful. You just said that it's powerful gonna hit a lot of people right between the eyeballs because I, I i see what you're saying because it's just, it's only when i've got fully present and quiet with myself that the best things have dropped in and it's only through like meditations through breath works through mushroom journeys that all the creativity has come come through me are oh, oh, i'm gonna birth that i'm gonna do this i'm gonna let that go i'm gonna that are oh, that's a shadow that needs answering like everything comes through in those moments you don't learn anything when you're in this busy state of of just going after it you don't learn nothing in that state I, I mean you can learn things from that state but the thing that you learn is typically because you failed super hard <laughs> you know like you're so consumed with the outside world that 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 universal power or that universal source just slaps you across the face and is like, 
you need to be humbled. You need to remember again the 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 true source of all this power, which, as you were saying, is coming to you through the gut, through your intuition. And I think I think the world will keep serving you the same lessons unless you're willing to learn the learnings that you're meant to take away from it the first time. And it'll just get it'll just keep the slaps will keep getting harder and harder and harder until you until you you sat there and you're like, okay, now I get now I understand why this is keep why this keeps coming up you you need to see these you need to see things you know right plain as day in front of you sometimes to be able to go okay i understand why that's why that's something so you you did you go into you mentioned monk mode obviously monk mode something that a lot of youtubers like yourself have, have talked about is is this is monk mode for you where you strip away all your all your dopamine so you can kind of build up your routine within that I've gone through phases of more intensive monk mode um, where I I did do something like that. You know, maybe maybe I kicked it off with like a three day uh, almost like Vipassana meditation where I don't speak to anyone. I don't engage in any social media or any activity at all for a few days. And then I go into like, uh, you know, the, the more intensive put your phone in the drawer um delete Instagram. Like I've, I've done that nowadays. Um, I'm more so, I'm more so focused on like, and the way I look at it is more so because when I think about that, I think about like, yes, you're eliminating distraction, but it also feels like you're trying to discipline yourself. And nowadays I more so prefer to like, rather than discipline myself, to do things I don't want to do that I know are good for me. I just reprogram myself to enjoy doing the hard things. So I used to hate working out. I used to hate going to the gym, but then I learned about reprogramming yourself. And now I reprogrammed myself to love going to the gym. It's one of my favorite things to do and not even going to the gym and working out, but like a workout that truly destroys me, you know, that, that truly makes me want to quit. And it's like a highlight of my day when I work out. Same with like anything related to my work. If there, if anything comes up that's like a new, uh, a new system that I have to build or a new, um, you know, a new project that needs to be created that I feel initial resistance towards, instead of using discipline and monk mode, I just start programming myself to see all of the benefits of doing that thing to the point where I don't really need discipline because I want to do it anyway. So, what are your steps to reprogramming? yourself are you are you are you you programming you reprogramming your 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 conscious or your subconscious it's it's using your conscious your conscious mind to reprogram your subconscious mind and it's pretty simple i mean talk about like presence and eckhart tolle everything that's happening in life is neutral right like this podcast is neither positive nor negative it's just we're here in the present moment this is all just a thing that is that is and yep. the human mind consciously or unconsciously but we have the the opportunity in front of us now to consciously decide whether there are more benefits to doing this podcast or drawbacks if we really just i think both of us are in agreement that this is a this is a benefit right there's benefits for there's both net, of us here. A net positive. Yeah, yeah. but if we wanted to we could spend a few minutes and come up with a list of negatives of why we shouldn't be doing this and you can do that with anything 
So the only reason you feel for, let's just take working outs, easy example to use. The only reason that people don't like working out is because they associate more negative outcomes and more, and more negativity in general to working out than positive ones. When working out is just neutral. So people who don't like to work out, it's painful. Uh, it's hard. It like I'm sore afterwards. I feel a little bit embarrassed when I go to the gym cause I'm not in as good shape as other people. Um, I don't like sweating. I got to clean my clothes and do my laundry after I smell afterwards, right? Like these are, uh, these are all reasons maybe someone might not like working out, but what if you just stacked on 150 reasons why working out is the best thing in the world and why, why sweating is actually a good thing and why smelling bad is actually cool, you know, somehow, right? So, so you're, so you're just saying you're, you're restacking the value structure yeah. of like, of you can restack because because you're saying everything is neutral and you can just restack the value ladder to to have more positives than than the negatives that you currently presume this thing to have and then that's how you internally motivate yourself to go and do the thing that you found hard in the interim yeah and that's the secret to life like we we all know what we should be doing we all know the things that are good for us that we simply aren't doing And the secret to life is taking the things that you don't want to do that you know are good for you and transforming them into experiences that you want to do that are good for you. That's, that is the full secret to life. And in a way, what you're saying is actually a really big, um, spiritual connected transformation in itself because you're transforming your conscious, your subconscious and your physical reality in what you're doing all through the modality of restacking the values on this thing that you know you should be doing anyway and just saying look i hate it because of this this and this and this reason but if we all the positive reasons that i stack on this side just far now outweigh this negative so now i can go and action it in my daily life exactly yeah yeah it's it's uh alchemy it that's what alchemy is you know and that's what uh that's what the crucifixion is about like that's why it, that that's what Jesus dying on the cross is about. It's about transforming, killing the old version of yourself and consciously creating a new enlightened version of yourself. That's that's what all of life is about. That is a that is a really powerful way of putting it in terms of the way that you say about killing is killing your old self and and rebirthing a new one. You know, and that and that, pow- and that powerful transformation of self, and how that and how that comes out. But one of the things I wanted to get into into with you, obviously, you've made um, a lot of money online and transformed your whole life through online revenue streams, and it's something that's that's, that's that you've had to start somewhere. I, I presume was your first online revenue started with a YouTube channel, or how did you kind of get into the, into the online space? Yeah, so I started on YouTube about eight years ago, seven seven or eight years ago. And yeah, seven or eight years ago, and I posted videos almost every day for six or seven months. My first revenue stream was a merch company. So I would sell t-shirts and and hoodies branded as like my merch. Um, And that evolved into, that, that just evolved into like a larger and larger operation as time went on. I was very into Tim Ferriss, four hour work week, automating every part of the business, uh, making a very lean operation, high profit margin. 
And yeah, I, I had the clothing brand to a point I was doing several hundred thousand dollars a year um, with no employees, <laughs> with just me. Um, and and then that transitioned into several other opportunities. But that that was my first stream. And 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 I suppose once you started to earn the money online, you started to see that there's this whole new world out there that that people have access to that that until you kind of see it and until you kind of experienced it, you can't really. Sometimes you can you can think it's a bit out of reach. Like there's a lot of people at the moment that want to go into e-commerce and do all this stuff. But if you if you were gonna start an online revenue stream from scratch today like what kind of what kind of revenue revenue stream would you go for i would i would follow the same principles that i did when i was starting then um actually this is a i love this topic because the make money online landscape is much different today than it was eight years ago and we, we alluded to this a little bit. You know, there were the main guys. There was Tony Robbins for internet marketing. It was Ty Lopez, you know, Russell Brunson and dot-com secrets, click funnels. Um, Alex Becker had a YouTube channel, you know. But if you wanted to learn how to do something back in the day, how, how to start it, I mean, I tried all this stuff. I tried social media management agency. I tried Shopify store. I tried starting a course. Um, but, you know, Sam Ovens didn't exist until 2020 or 2018, 2019. Iman existed, but he wasn't as big as he is now. There was no agency navigator that you could sign up for. There was no, you know, uh, crypto boom. I mean, there was, but it just, it wasn't as popular. People didn't know about these things. If you wanted to learn how to make money online through Shopify or any of these other methods, it was basically you just buy one of Ty Lopez's course. He owned the whole market. But none of that stuff worked for me. <laughs> um, and what I did was I leaned on my skill sets that I had baked into me from when I was a little kid. And that was a skill of telling stories on the internet and making you and making YouTube videos. And if I were to do that now, you know, now is is again a very different it's a very different landscape than it was back then. Back then, you know, a college, an American 18-year-old guy in an American university with a YouTube channel documenting what he was doing, super unique. Nowadays, you can look up any college in America and find like three or four YouTubers to show you what that college is like. And so... I would look for, if I were starting today, I would look at what are my existing skills? Where do I have an advantage over everyone else? And what I would look for what new opportunity isn't being exploited quite yet. I do think that there's a lot of potential for people to succeed in when you know they join like a, start like a social media marketing agency or a Shopify store. If you really work at it, you're going to get successful. But me personally, I would prefer to lean on my my unique strengths and try to try my best to find an opportunity that isn't hasn't been exploited quite yet. And that's what I saw back then. I was like, I basically I saw there was one YouTuber, a guy in uh in California actually going to the school in uh, California USC, and he was blowing up on YouTube because he was showing this college life 
you know, that no one had ever really seen before. It was like a real life insight into fraternities and, you know, an 18, 19, 20 year old guy who's in college. And I saw there was one guy doing it on the West Coast. I went to school on the East Coast in Boston and I was like, no one's doing this. So I would look for, I would look for what are my skills? What new opportunity can I exploit with those skills that that's like a blue ocean? And so I honestly, Frankie, I would probably have to go and brainstorm what that opportunity would be. And it would take me a while. You know, this is, um, this is, this is a, a, a mode of thinking that I think is probably one of the most useful mental models for anyone to have for, for this type of answering this type of question is understanding that the best ideas are typically not the first ideas that you have, right? So if you ask me the question, you know, um, if you were to start today, how would you, how, what would you do to make money online? Well, my first thought is going to be what? It's going to be the thing, the opportunity that I've heard the most about. That's what 99% of people's first thought is because it's the thing they've heard the most about. Crypto, Shopify, SMMA, influencer. Those ideas are the worst ideas, in my opinion. (laughs) The best idea is going to be the obscure one that hits you in the middle of the night or during a meditation or during working out that's like, wait a second. What if I did that, right? Like, I know it's a completely different world, but if you take, if you take us, if we go back to 2015, 16, when I was starting my YouTube channel, the idea of walking around a college campus with, with a, a video camera like this yeah, and, and talking to this camera in Boston, Massachusetts, I was the only person in the entire city of millions of people doing that. And so when I put it on the internet, people were like, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this. So so, so that, I, I couldn't possibly tell you what I would actually do. You would need to give me like a day or so. And I would, I would really, I, I would really have to come up with something completely unexploited. And if you, by the way, if you think about the most successful people today, um, I bring up Andrew Tate, although he's, he's in jail right now. Did he come up with that short form affiliate marketing podcast strategy by taking a course? No. Yeah. <laughs> he invented it. Yeah. It was a completely no one has ever seen an affiliate marketing strategy with 30,000 affiliates promoting the same $50 a month offer and having a a uh he took his unique skills of talking, his unique assets, he had the the these thousands of hours of interviews and then he created this army no one has ever seen that before so the people that really break through in my opinion and have the highest level of successes do things that no one has done that no one not that no one has done before but but yeah i mean they they, they do things no one's, differently I they think, invent I think in essence is what you're saying and i think that's really good advice that you've given there because if you do what everyone else is doing, you get what everyone else is getting. Exactly. Which is mediocre results. And mediocre results aren't exactly what you're particularly looking for or you're aspiring to have. So you've got the opportunity when you go inward, like 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 has been the the, the, the through thought of this podcast has been about looking inward. Because if you look inward, all these answers are within. Because when you get quiet, like we said before, 
you can see these opportunities but you can't see them when you're in a noisy environment and a lot of you that are listening to this are surrounded by a lot of noise that if you take yourself away from it, even some of the successful brand owners that are listening to this podcast right now in the car on the way to their office right a lot of them will be because they're because they're now doing 50 million a year their environment's got so noisy that they've come away from from the the way that they could move at the start which made them unique in the first place which is that which is now harming the brand because the brand isn't growing at the same trajectory because you're not doing what originally made it successful so maybe you should go back to that does that make sense like i think a lot of people are experiencing that in life absolutely and i think i think and feel your podcast is a perfect example of this because you know even like podcasting has become more and more popular but it's very clear to me when I do these podcasts who who had the internal urge, the gut feeling, the gut instinct that I, Frankie Lee, need to do this podcast. And the guys who are like, oh, well, Frankie Lee's got a podcast. Seems like a lot of guys have podcasts now. I should start a podcast because they're all doing it. <laughs> it's obvious yeah. who who's meant to be doing this, you know, and and it it shines through in every part of your being when you're doing the thing that that you're called to do rather than what is what everyone else is doing and trying to base your decision off that i, I, I love the fact you said that because arlen right i i love i love the podcast and everything i'm trying to bring to the world and trying to bring people on like yourself to to get people to to really i don't do a podcast just for them to listen to i want them to feel every part of it and i want them to to understand that it's from the feeling that you can elevate you can't elevate just by listening to something you've got to feel it as well so that's why i don't try and do the typical the typical podcasting where it's just like you know there's no feeling in it and the 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 beautiful thing about about doing the inside work is that you start to know what feels right to you and it's not going to be the same for your mate down the road so you have to separate yourself from everything that you know in your reality right now in order to understand if that is even the reality that you want to live and take yourself completely out of it and 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 because obviously that's something you, you did i mean when when those people were taken out of your life that was to give you a opportunity to be alone so that you could get closer to self and then know who you are so you can actually enjoy the reality that you live in not live in this false reality which is where you're chasing likes where you're chasing dopamine where you check where you are chasing views where you're chasing validation all these things that the your external reality at the time was telling you chase that chase that chase that because that's what was bringing you external success but internally you fucking felt empty right yeah absolutely like, and, and 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 if if you were gonna if you were gonna if you were gonna say that there's the that the, the one key thing then that kind of really allowed you to transform and and, and funnel that into into you know getting through all of that what would it what would it actually truly be if you actually broke it down in terms of in terms of getting through 
the more difficult times or getting uh or get, just just in just in terms of like getting closer to uh, you know understand understanding self mm. like really mm-hmm. truly understanding self um i think it's i think it's understanding that it's like a never ending relentless mission and it's like it is like the mission um i at least that's how i view it daily you know like i wake up every day simultaneously very excited and confident to build what i'm building and at the same time completely questioning what i'm doing as as if to yes. as if there's like yeah. a potential that all of this is not the right path like there and and if there's any hints in my emotions in my drive in synchronicities right that you'll pivot that this is not the right path i need to pivot and i need to accept that like as an just as an example you know um we had some technical difficulties last week and we had to you know uh postpone to this week let's say that that happened every time i did a podcast like basically like everyone had to keep canceling and pushing back like every time that there that could be a little bit of a a hint from the universe like hey this isn't you know this isn't what you should be doing right so it's yeah it's it's being excited for what you're building while simultaneously questioning is there another path that i should be pursuing yeah I, yeah I, that is 100% what i wanted you to kind of allude to is the fact that even though you always you've done the internal work and you think this is your path you're constantly evaluating the road that you're taking to make sure that you're on the right road is is kind of is kind of what you've what you've alluded to there and i think i think that's that's so right mate because you've you've been you've been doing something now especially like youtube and stuff for so long you could you could are you doing the raw milk he's doing the raw milk you've been doing youtube now for so long that it it, it's it could just it could just have become a habit that you continue to do where it's actually might not be what you truly want to do this is a great topic um i'm i'll mix in yeah i just took a swig of my my raw milk like because i really try to it's a relentless mission right why am i drinking raw milk well, because I hypothesize that dr- that eating and drinking the purest food will get me more pure and more connected to the universal, that universal source, that ultimate mission that I should be doing. And to your point about, I've, I've been doing YouTube a long time, right? And I'm actually, uh, right now I'm sitting with my, um, my filmer and uh, assistant editor and we're talking a lot about my YouTube channel and my strategy because we know that there's so many different paths I could be following on YouTube. I, I could, I could like try to max out the algorithm, right? Like I could make these videos that are like how to, you know, videos that everyone would click on how to, um, how to become 92% more attractive to women using social media or or you know these type and with the the green background thumbnail like like that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or and this is i think where we're really moving toward is like 
I could just continue to make the videos that I felt internally driven to create uh, from when I like when I first started when I wasn't I didn't care about the algorithm when I first started I just made videos because I felt like I had to make these videos and guess what those videos don't at least right now and recently haven't been doing as well like they're getting some of the worst views I've ever had but um but I'm so happy that I'm making them and and I'm happy that like every time like even the the viewers that are seeing them even though my channel's not growing at a rapid pace right now the it, it's like we're talking about it's it's very interesting this podcast is like it we keep coming back to the same thing it's like you we need to find the balance of do for example making the videos because i feel internally motivated to make them but also considering the audience and what they want to see too like it is a balance you know yeah um because on one hand i you, you could compare it to like a narcissist like if you only make videos that you want to make and you don't care about the algorithm at all well then you're not you're not caring about the viewer in any way shape or form but if you just completely succumb to the algorithm and you don't care about yourself then you you're starving yourself of of what of what drives you in the first place so so yeah um i I just i like that topic because that's something my my uh assistant editor filmer and i talk are talking about all the time is like there's a happy medium there isn't there because at the end at the end of the day what i've discovered with the podcasters my podcast has smashed it on on apple and spotify organically right and i think that's because people feel the content and they share the content and stuff like that and they resonate with it and hopefully i'm putting out good content so people like it right but on youtube it's been a real slow growth process and many other um, people and podcasters and other people have said to me frankie if you just cut this video into 10 minute clips and you just do timestamps and you just do this and that your channel would grow a lot faster than the other and i'm like yeah it, yeah you're right you, you you are right and i'm not disputing that you're right but on the other side of the coin that doesn't light me up like to be honest it doesn't that doesn't light me up and yeah i would like to grow faster on these platforms obviously but it's just it's just a whole load of work that I don't want to do or enjoy at this moment in time. So you kind of and and because I I did question whether that was like a limiting thing in my mind of this that and the other. And I started to to question that internally and all that stuff. And I meditated into it and I was like, nah, just I just like I just like putting out the full the full podcast on there and not drop like they're like, why don't you release half the podcast and half the podcast and that's going to be better for the algorithm and. But I just, I, to me, it's just like, nah, just give them, give them it. And whoever's meant to watch that video and find it is, finds it. And whoever isn't meant to find it doesn't find it. But over, if I've, I said to myself when I started this podcast, and I'm sure you said this when you started your YouTube channel, I said to myself, this is what I really internally want to do. I'll stick at this for 10 years. So I'll just play the long game because that's the only game I that I know that, that with everything that I've done that's that's been mo- both successful and fulfilling has been when i've played the long game with these things is that kind of something you resonate with absolutely that's really good yeah it's like it's like uh you know whatever these things are for you for me it's like the corny thumbnails and the corny topics for you maybe it's like putting in the timestamps and doing the 10 minute clips 
like if those things are in any way draining the light that you're able to bring to these conversations, which long term is the light that matters the most, then yeah, don't do it. (laughs) Well, well, this is the thing, right? You and and something you you'd have definitely experienced. I don't. I only want to have conversations with people that I generally want to have conversations with. So, therefore, I invite every guest on personally. You know what I mean? Like I reached out to you. Like I reached out to everyone else. That everyone's an invite only guest. I don't let other people invite themselves on my podcast because because if I if if they invite themselves on here that is the wrong energy exchange because they're coming to serve themselves. Yeah, but Frankie, like, think about I, how much you could grow if you could have this guy and this guy and this. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I, I've been through it because I've had people, you know, I've had I've had recently, there's been quite a few different women that have reached out that want to come on the podcast with millions of followers. But it's like where I am in my life at the moment, I can't just go having someone on just because they sold shitloads of that because they're doing three million a month on only fans i can't i could do, it just doesn't sit with me in my soul right so i can't just facilitate that conversation just for clicks you know i just can't that's that's where i am internally and, and i think what i want the what i want you lot to get that listening to this is the fact of like never ever um if, if you're doing something that lights you up whether you've got a clothing brand in e-commerce whether you've got a youtube channel like arlen's got or you're doing something that whatever you're doing that lights you up never ever sell it out just for the oh that would that would do that would do ten thousand fucking views or that would do i've never done that and and that is something I'll never do because even though it, it's a you get these quick growth moments like you get these quick dopamine hits for views and stuff enough you'd have to sit back and you'd and you'd look back at your podcast or you look back at your youtube channel and you'd be like right that doesn't align at all with what with who i am and that's something that worries me frankie have you ever deviated from that maybe not with this part maybe with this podcast or maybe with anything else in your life where you feel like you went against that yeah 100 percent. i was a professional boxing trainer uh who worked a world title level and I, that whole pursuit of me being a professional boxing trainer was to prove people wrong about me for no reason. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like that, that whole journey was a dick swinging competition about so that I could say that I was a professional boxing trainer because I attached my self-worth to, to me being a professional boxing trainer the same way as other people attach their, there's, I'll give you I'll give you an example. I've got I've got um girl mates in Australia that are still to this day taking pictures of themselves in bikinis every day and putting it on Instagram because the algorithm favours their photos when they're in a bikini photo on Instagram, right? And and they're getting loads of dopamine, loads of likes. But really then they they want to be a more wholesome girl talking about breath work or talking about something that they're doing in their real life they want, but they can't but but they're too scared to step out of that shadow to st- and step into their true light of who they actually fucking are and i think the sooner arlen that most people realize that concept that you can be a long time going up the wrong ladder in your life and you always have the ultimate choice on whether you continue to take the next rung and the next rung and the and the radical honesty comes into that. Yeah, I love this theme that you're talking about that is is the theme of your podcast is like going within and doing what lights you up. And 
I think that becomes even more relevant and more important. And this podcast thus becomes more important as, as AI gets better and better because AI is getting very good at, AI is going to get very good at algorithm, right? At, yep. at doing the thing that generates X result, but it's not going to be able to replicate insert thing that lights a human up. Right. So, so right. This podcast, like I, it's, it's very important. So I, yeah, I, I love this. This is great. I, th- I think AI can't create feeling, whereas a brand can create feeling. Like you create a clothing brand, it can create a feeling. You think you think of Gymshark, you get a certain feeling. You think of Represent Chloe, you get a feeling. You think of cer- certain um, creators like Iman Gadzi, you get you, there's a there's a there's a feeling to it. You think about your content, there's a there's a fit that your audience get a feeling to that. You can't you when you're putting in purpose into something that it's the it's it's yeah. how you make other people feel that creates your brand and yeah. your authenticity yeah that's really good and and let's say because i know i asked you the question uh you know have you ever gone against it i've i've gone against it on my youtube and i look i look at some of the videos that i've made where i only made them for clicks and for people to find out about you know whatever product i was selling at the time and i look at it and i'm just like man like I like the feeling that you're de- you're describing is completely disrupted when someone sees that. It's like <laughs> it, it's like this energy. The feeling goes from like this. I would like to think that the energy of my brand, or I would like to portray the energy of my brand, as this like excitement, adventurous energy of building something amazing, traveling the world. And experiencing new culture and, and learning and, and achieving some level of enlightenment. And when I come in and I say things or I make videos that are like for the algorithm, the energy gets, it turns into just this like weird little creature that's just like, give me, like, give me your attention. Like, give me some views, right? Like, it's, just, it's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and 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 also everyone that you attract to your brand, to your channel, to yourself, when you do these things, those people aren't congruent with who you are anyway. So they 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 they're not they're not who you want to have around. So they're not who you want to have around you as a human. They're not who you want buying or wearing your clothes for your brand because they're not congruent with your brand vision from the start. So by you doing these things and and having these short term things where you go and uh, you go and create this product because this other brand's creating this product, so you think oh, I'll I'll sell this similar type of hoodie for argument's sake for my econ brand because this other brand's winning with it, or I'll, I'll I'll take this other style of clothing because they're winning with it. But what you do is you now attract to your brand people that don't represent your archetype of of client, and then you and then you. You end up getting smacked down the line because you got people wearing your clothes and wearing your st- that don't represent your ethos, and then people the people who who you do want to wear your clothes won't want to wear your clothes because these other people that are non-conscious and don't resonate with the brand are wearing them. So it's you kind of 
you 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 start spinning for algorithms you start spinning for for acceptance and all this other all these other topics that we're talking about you start spinning stuff for that you start putting yourself in a whole world of pain down the track and that might happen in day one or one day from then or it might happen three months from then but eventually at some point it's going to harm you not only on a brand level but it harms you on uh, spiritual emotional and a money level ultimately as well to me to me i don't want i don't want it to be a podcast where anyone could just walk on it yeah yeah because because i i, I want to control the narrative because it's important that the that the people and the listeners get get value from the people that i see them getting value in it's very important to me that this is va- this is a value play you know what i'm saying that that, that is heavily stacked like I, I i'll eventually ask for one percent in terms of like i'll ask him for a for a share or, or something on social media but but like 99 percent of the time it's i'm giving you something i'm giving you something a tool that you can just take put into your life and it's going to change it and it's going to give you a it's going to give you a positive feeling so you i'll just i just want you to keep getting that it's not about just having someone who's got 15 million followers on just because they've got 15 million followers i couldn't give a fuck i know lots of successful people many that i've not not that many that i am going to invite on this podcast and many that i haven't invited on because the the value exchange is wrong like it's all about selling something or or, or pushing a narrative that's does not conclusive with growth of a human being do you know what i mean and you've got you've got to You've got to know how you're going to set your stall out and how and how and and be non-negotiable on 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 that. Once once you've done that internal work that we're talking about, once you've done that meditation, once you've looked inwards, once you've once you kind of have an idea of who you are, and what does what resonates and what doesn't resonate, it's not about being stubborn. It's about having a set of moral compasses that you work to, that you that you stay within. That and 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 I operate entirely within that framework. And I think you need a framework. And what you've said throughout this podcast are, are little pieces that people can take and put into their framework. I can't give someone a framework, and neither can you. That's going to be that's going to be completely for tailored for every human. But you can just put in them little one. You can just take. I oh, take this from Arlen. He's having great success with that. I resonate with that. Put that in then. I oh, take that from Frankie. I take that from 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 tim ferris take that from joe rogan it's like just that has to be your creation i think that and 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 then and then you start to then you start to really start to get it uh, and, and and then it creates that 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 feeling i suppose but obviously all this is well and good arlen but people have to be able to 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 monetize it and this is something that i never really considered when i started the podcast is like that that you've eventually you've eventually got to got to monetize somehow how did you how did you find a way to ethically monetize what you did and how can the people listening to this ethically monetize once once they've found out their values and everything and set up all these processes like you've talked about yeah how did i do it first um like i said the first thing i did was the clothing brand and part of the reason i did that was actually because, uh, you know, my my mom's a painter, my dad's a photographer. I grew up with like Photoshop and and design and uh, not necessarily fashion, but I really liked the idea of like making a design and people wearing that design. And so again, I you know I took something that was kind of core within me and 
turned it into a business, turned it into a brand. And that was the first, the first mission. The second one was Maxi. And Maxi was all related to what we were discussing beginning of this podcast with, with mental health, mental reprogramming, the whiteboards, right? Maxi is the yeah. whiteboard, that whiteboard breakdown mixed in with daily and weekly and monthly planning of your goals and of the things that you need to do mixed in with also the 80 20 principle which is something i'm obsessed with and mixed in with uh, mental reprogramming and using um, an audio recording of your goals listening to that recording and um, and basically programming your brain to focus on those on those goals and so again maxi was something that wasn't uh wasn't at all you know, something that was just a money grab, right? It was, I've been, I've been, I wish I had it when I was 15 years old. And so I, I'm, is that, is, is it, this, and Maxi is your software, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's a software, it's a software, I think it's like 47, it's like entry level $47, isn't it? And it, and it's meant to help people um, access the tools, the mindset tools and, and, and the programming to allow them to, to fulfill and guide them through a, the the journey of self-development, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it is a tool, a mental reprogramming tool that helps people get clear on what they want in their life and then create actionable, effective plans to get there. Um, you know, for like we said before, you know, first, most people don't even decide what they want in their life. So Maxi immediately helps you get clear on what you want in your life across your 100 years or so. And then it uses the 80-20 principle to help people actually make effective plans to get there. So we we spoke about this a little bit before as well, where the first idea you have is the idea that everyone has. That's the average thing. So if you can set big goals but if then you think like everyone else, it's going to take you a lot longer to get there. So Maxi also helps you in planning those goals, think differently than most people in order to achieve those goals. So you're able to get there a lot more fa- a lot faster. Um, and, uh, what, are and- so, what are some of the questions that, that, that the audience could ask themselves that, so that they can implement the 80-20 rules? So say, yeah, sure. so say yeah. that they think that, say they think they want to do this, this, and this. What, what are some of the key questions that you would then ask to that answer to make sure that it aligns and it, and it, and it goes on the journey? I'll give you two. So the first one is if you had a heart attack and you could now only work two hours a week on your business, on, on that goal in your business, what would you do if you only had two hours a week? And that's going to tell you the most high impact things because the thing with the 80, 20 rule, right? Is that there's typically, there's a few things that if you do those few things, those few things produce most of the results anyway. Like in the gym, there's a few exercises that if you do those few exercises, they'll, they'll make you a lot stronger and a lot bigger than, you know, just curls or, you know, whatever, whatever other exercises. So it's about finding the most effective actions. The second question is, um, what is, is asking yourself when you're thinking about whatever goal you want to achieve is what would be 
the easiest and what what would be the easiest and most fun route for me to take the easiest fastest and most fun route and because often people's actually default mode of thinking is like this is going to be really hard and take a really long time whereas in reality a lot of times the 80 20 path is actually the easiest most fun and most effective so um so yeah using those two questions together uh like just it's it's like thinking opposite of how most people think and that usually finds you those actions that if you follow those actions they produce results that most people don't experience yeah i like it i like it because then because then you're getting more in depth on on breaking down and stripping out all the crap you know all because that, that that's in essence what we've got to do as humans is is it's kind of brain dump everything that that's that's our goal and our vision and what we want to do you, you could write at the top of the page like 50 ways that i can make income uh, and you could just dump 50 ways on a, on a on a page you know the first 10 will be easy the second 10 will be a bit harder but getting 50 ways that you can make income potentially for a lot of people would be hard right but then when you've got 50 ways on a piece of paper, you can clearly kind of say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And then you can kind of pick a few. And then from from the 80-20 principle, like you say, you can kind of really get to the get to the point where you've got a couple of applicable ways that you can do it that actually resonates with you and actually doesn't have to be that hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you make that list of 50, there's bound to be like two to five ideas out of that 50 that are significantly better than the rest and also they're probably ideas that weren't your first couple ideas it's probably like down the list like 30 or 40 uh number 30 or 40 because it took you a while to actually come up with it when you when you created this software is this software like do you take people through a simple process so that because i find that when you take people through like a real complicated process when it comes to like finding out who they are setting goals and all this kind of stuff like this is where people get really um, overwhelmed and then can't action anything. No, yeah, it's super simple. Super simple. The, I mean, the first, so basically the time commitment for Maxi is when you first purchase it, right? And that's when people are most motivated, when they first, the day they buy the thing, um, I tell them to set aside two to four hours and that's to plan out, to, to run through the prompts and questions and videos to plan out their life. Then on a daily basis, it's about 10 minutes um, at the end of the day. And that's just reviewing your day, thinking about your goals in, um, uh, your goals for your, your life in general, and then making plans and goals for the next day in alignment with those. Uh, and then there's, I've actually, I actually don't even use maxi daily anymore. I use it weekly. So I like at, at the end of every week, one of those main questions that I keep going to in maxi is like, if I only had two hours this week to work on my business, what would be the one project I would accomplish? Yeah. And and that question allows you to get real granular of what you want out of, the, out of that specific week for yourself. Yeah. If people are honest with themselves, what they really need to do in their business comes down to like a few key actionable items each week. And each of those actionable items are typically not much more than like a few hours to do each. 
of course, the, I'm not saying like I don't work hard. Like I work all the time, you know, like work, I work from the moment my head's off the pillow. But, but as far as like the, the things that, and that's, but that's because I enjoy the game too. But as far as the things that like really push the needle forward, um, it's, it's usually like there's one thing that's more important, way more important than everything else. And I, I try to, I, I look for that every week and that's what Maxi urges people to do as well. From from your work that you've done on on advisory, when it comes to like marketing brands and stuff like that, like Hubi and stuff like that, when you've gone into brands like that, and you have you have you done the eighty twenty principle rule on what they're doing as a brand and kind of stripped back a lot of the stuff that they they thought that, that was productive but wasn't. Yeah. So the the advising that I've done in uh, in Hubi, um there's a couple different layers to it. The first, I think most impactful, it's actually the design of the pages. Um, like I came up with some, some ideas for mock-ups early on for when they were designing these pages and they're still using those, those mock-ups. Now they have a, a, an amazing creative director and design team that like polished it, of course. But, um, but yeah, like a lot of the initial design phases I was involved in, and then the next phase is like uh is in revenue generation and i've i've discussed with the founders the 8020 principle but it's actually a different uh, a different principle that i've tried to i've done my best to like bring forth which is um so the 8020 principle was popularized by richard kosh who wrote another book his first most popular book uh before the 8020 principle was called the star principle yes great book and and that that is where yeah i I, if anyone is in business or is thinking about getting into business and wants a shortcut like that book is so phenomenal book phenomenal book i i forgot about that book but you but that is a phenomenal book yeah because it teaches it teaches you about what so basically the Richard Koch, the guy that you're talking about, he was a consultant at um, B, uh, BCG or Bain or BCG, Bain, Bain, Bain and Company, yeah. yeah, Bain and Company, and and these these the two main consulting firms. When I can't think of the other one, McKinsey, McKinsey, yeah, McKinsey, yeah. They these two consulting firms that we're talking about here, they they created these principles on how to analyze businesses to find out what makes a star business and how and how they operate and the key things they have so by reading this book star principle which is which is what Arlen's saying you'll understand if you're if the business that you're creating could be a star business and and the things that you're doing within your business that could potentially make it not a star which means that you can't build a defensible moat around your intellectual property your brand design or anything like that which means that your market can be taken and stolen. Basically, a star business is, it only has to, what's crazy about it is it's so simple. The star principle is so simple. All a business needs to have to be a star business is it needs to be the market leader in a growing niche. So if your business right now, if you are not the market leader and your niche is not growing, you're setting yourself up for failure. And if, if I'm advising a company like Hubi, for example, and what niche are they in? They're in the, 
space i mean they they have they could kind of transcend different niches depending on the decisions they make but let's say they choose to be the lincoln bio platform tool right like yeah. take like a link tree there's also um snapfire there's beacons there's lots of uh lincoln bio platforms Linktree is the market leader as far as a link and bio platform is concerned. They have 20 million paying users at $10 a month or more. Hubi has uh, over 10,000 users, but they don't have 20 million, you know? So it like when, when I'm looking at any company, I'm asking myself those questions. Is this the market leader? If it's not the market leader, if it's not the leader, leader in that niche, you need to switch niches. You need to switch. You need to somehow become number one in something. And then whatever that, that something is, whatever that market is, you also need to make sure it's growing. Luckily, the creator economy, more and more people are downloading social media apps and, and starting social media channels. So the, the economy itself, the market itself is growing. Is it, is, is who be the number one link and bio platform? Um, no, not in general, but is it the number one link in bio platform for, for example, for creators and influencers? Arguably, yes. And we could look at numbers to back that up. But um, but yeah, that, that I, I think a lot about these big strategy firms and how they advise their companies. And I, I try to I try to put my input in alignment with that next to my my background in like design and storytelling. And, um, and I have meetings, you know, regular meetings with, uh, the, the, one of the co-founders once a week. And we just, we, we just brainstorm back and forth all these kind of ideas. So it's very fun. What are the, what are, what are some other books that you'd recommend this audience listens to and reads for, for business or for self-development in general or. For, for 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 the whole suite like ah, in terms okay. of like your 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 top your top ones that you'd recommend mm, yeah i would put i would definitely put star principle and 80 20 principle at the top there obviously the power of now um you know more recently i've found myself going back to like the bible and um and even the quran and the torah and I think I think for someone who like I wish I went back to those earlier. I wish when I was 19 instead of reading, you know, or or watching a lot of like dating and pickup advice videos, I wish I just read the Bible. I swear man, like I, I like and and here's a good way to start is actually is to go on ChatGPT. Yeah. And to go to tell ChatGPT you are an expert on the Bible. Um, I'm just telling you, like, you're an expert on the Bible. Give me, give me what I should be looking for in a girlfriend. And it will say, here's like five qualities based on the Bible, based on these passages, the qualities you should be looking for in a girlfriend. And that's, that's right. power. That's some powerful stuff. Yeah. You can get it to summarize it. So you, you can be like, okay, teach me what the Torah, show me every lesson the Torah teaches about money. Because obviously, when you when you look at when you look at the the Jewish culture and how they accumulate wealth and how they keep it and how they put it to work, it's it's obviously like the Torah is a phenomenal book for creating wealth in your life. Because the, because the principles from it, um, you know, 
they, they, in reality, like when you look at the Jewish community, they're they're not short of a pound or two. You know what I mean, or a dollar, are they? Like so, so there's obviously something within that. So the ethos is there, like you say, it's it, it's plain to see. And I and I, I'm, I used to like not listen to or not want to read these these books, but I've actually started to read them too. <laughs> like I've got, I haven't got a copy of the Torah, but I've got a copy of the Bible, I've got a copy of the Quran, and I, I'm actively reading things from them to learn because there's a lot of. I'm not saying that I'm going to step into all this religious stuff and go fully into any of them. I just want to know the teachings of of all these religions because I want to understand it from different levels. Like, okay, how do how how what are they teaching about wealth? What are they teaching about relationships? What are they teaching about consciousness and all this kind of stuff? Because there's, like you say, there's a lot of value in understanding books that are thousands of years old that have been passed through the ages and understanding the context of what they teach and how they operate. Because if if a lot a lot of people that you meet that have had success in life if they're not highly spiritual well, and 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 I'm summarizing successes both accumulating money and keeping it and also being happy as well and that's what that's how I'm summarizing success and when you look at the people that are most complete in all areas that I've just mentioned there's some religious or spiritual component to that to be able to fully contextualize that whole thing so what you're saying is is true like in terms of reading that so what 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 are the key learnings that you've had from that? I think the key learnings I've had specifically from the really from the Bible. I've been leaning a lot on on the Bible, um, specifically for matters of of love and in my relationship, um, and it's it's tremendously helped evolve and improve my relationship, specifically. Um, you know, the Bible talks about like, like you could, like I can go into the Bible or into chat GPT and say, you know, here's the issue I'm having with my relationship that my girlfriend and I keep arguing about. What, what the would Bible the Bible say, say about it? that? And then I just listen to it and I'm like, oh, okay, done. Like it works. Surprise. The most, the most famous and, and, um, referenced text of all time has real actionable <laughs> advice. Like, where where do you think yeah, these personal I, and, development and, books and on the bookshelf get the, their the, advice from? They get it from the Bible. So just go to the source. The um, the sooner people realize that the connection your your connection with like the universe, with God, or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it, right? Your connection with the higher power or or the higher version of yourself, even there's no there doesn't need to be any gatekeeper between you and that do you know what i mean there doesn't need to there's a, there doesn't need to be a church there doesn't need to be a mosque there doesn't need to be anything between you and that that that's a personal conversation that's a personal thing between you and it like no one can talk to you about that that's just a conversation that you have that that, that no one else is privy to do you know absolutely what like would you rather would you would you rather get your food from you know a uh from walmart which you know has been passed from from far, from yes, the farm maybe farm originally to some like processing, holding storage plant to some delivery truck that hundreds of miles to someone that's putting it on a shelf. Or would you rather just grow your own food? Like if yeah. if you had like the resources to be able to do that, or would you rather eat your own food? 
that you grow yourself yeah. or that your neighbor is growing and you can go to a farmer's market and buy it there. I know for me, like I try to do all my shopping through a farmer's market, local farmer's market from local farmers that I actually know. And how have you, how, when you, when you do that shopping through the local farmer's market, as we're on this topic of, of what you're putting in your body, how have you noticed your clarity in your mind, your skin and everything else? Has that changed a lot? Have you noticed a lot in changes in that? I've noticed that, that, I mean, there's certainly a correlation now that I really think about it. Like as I've evolved my diet to, instead of, for example, even eating eggs from just your regular white eggs, random eggs from some store that maybe they're, they're just caged and, you know, the energy that maybe is in those eggs is not the most free and pure as I've transitioned from that to, yes, I spend a lot more money on farmer's market eggs. Um, there is a correlation, like my life and my, my values are a lot more aligned for sure. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was re- I was reading the weirdest study of like literally a few weeks ago. And it was all about if something's made with love, like in terms of like whether it's food or anything like that, if something's made with the right intention you can the intention is an energy that goes into things so there, there there was a study done and there were intentions that were put into water and then they put the water under the microscope after the intentions were set within the water and the whole molecular uh, molecular structure of the water is different by the intention that was sent energetically into the water i know it sounds weird but you just when you see this under a microscope, you you can't you can't deny that the, the energy is real and that it and changes the the um, the structure of it. So if that's the truth, then and you read this study and you find that to be the truth, then the intention that you do everything with and that people the people that move with you do everything with affects everything that you do as well. I know the study you're you're talking about, and it's it's um. It's something that I, I've learned as well that like um, 99.99% of what we experience as reality is actually like invisible. It's energy, it's space. The stuff that we see and interact with and feel and touch and our senses interact with is like 0.000001% of, of what really exists. So, you know, like this raw milk that I'm drinking is there's there's energy in it not only from the fact that it, it the, the fact that it is raw milk like from the cow uh unheated un, unpasteurized raw milk and there's more like life and bacteria in the raw milk but there's also an energy translation that happens from me feeling better about drinking the raw milk versus drinking the more processed uh uh human handled factory affected milk and and as exactly yeah. as you're saying, like the emotions of baking love into something um, actually affects the chemistry and the the way that that food makes you feel. Yeah, I, I, mate, and I, I tell you, I've I realized it in a lot of areas of my life that it's it's the intention things are done it's done for you in, and the intention of how you do things for others, and and all these things 
they correlate to a, to a lot of feeling in whether it, whether it whether it comes through food, whether it comes through relationships, or however it comes to you. It just all matters. The intention is everything, and the intention you put out is what you get back. It's as simple as that. But Arlen, if there's one piece of if we if you had to check out the world tomorrow, and there's one piece of golden wisdom advice that fr from you making millions online from the videos that you've done from the life that you've lived from the spiritual stuff that you've done is there's one piece of advice and only one piece that you can leave to everybody listening to this podcast what would it be um it would be don't it would be don't be attached to uh don't be attached to things that you've done that have worked in the past things you've seen other people done don't don't be attached to as far as like what you think you should do as a man like don't don't be attached to what you see other people are doing or what you think of, has worked in the past to get you x result the only thing that you should use as your internal guidance system is that like current present moment relation to to god to that higher power in other words find god um in simpler terms find god but to add a little nuance to that point in relation to everything we've been talking about here it's to yeah it's it's to um operate as much as possible off the internal guidance system rather than uh rather than what everyone else wants you to do what you think will get you more views what you know what what you think will um what what you what your egoic mind thinks will get you the thing to make it look better go off the intuition go off god that's succinct yeah and i think that's been the full narrative throughout this whole conversation with you throughout this is like the more inward you go the more your outward reality reflects what you truly want because you've you you've got it you can't deny what's inside you and you can't deny how you want to move and how you want to operate yeah. you can get influenced on the exterior for how you want certain things to look in your life but that's not actually a true reflection of yourself which means it takes you towards something that ultimately does not fulfill you in all areas of your life that you want it to because you've you've pursued something for the wrong metric right so that's what I want everyone who's listened to this podcast to get out of what Arlen said today because I think there's a lot of power in that and I just want to say thank you again for coming on and dropping dropping amazing value you can follow Arlen on Instagram at Arlen it's A-R-L-I-N nice and easy you can't miss it and guys do me a solid favour yeah? drop me a DM let me know how, how this podcast has gone share this on your stories share it in the WhatsApp groups drop a review I appreciate all your support throughout this journey and much love. Guys, do me a solid favor. Drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next.